Good evening, everyone. We had a great turnout to the Parkview singing this afternoon. If you've never gotten to do that, um, I would highly, highly encourage you to to take some just 30 minutes out of your, your Sunday afternoon once a month and, and come and sing um, for those of our members who are shut in, but also just all the residents there. It was really good. We were talking to Mrs. Betty afterwards, and we were just saying, how are you doing? You know, how's life going? And she said, why be sad and you can be happy? Well, why not? I mean, yeah, you're right. So I thought that was a great perspective on life, especially considering she can't get around like she used to. So that, that was really awesome to hear and to see. So that, that was that was great. Tonight, um, we're we're taking we're not talking about the family as much, uh, but we are talking about wisdom again. And I thought it'd be appropriate considering we're doing this study on the family through the wisdom scriptures. But I am wrapping up a class on Proverbs and Song of Solomon. And we've talked a lot about wisdom in that class. But Proverbs chapter 2 is a really, if you have your Bibles, be turn to Proverbs chapter 2. It's a really interesting chapter that I had not really studied a lot. Um, and there's there's a lot in it, but the very beginning of it, I think, is sets up the rest of Proverbs in a way that I hadn't seen it before. And so I just wanted to share a bit about my studies in Proverbs and, and the, the way to wisdom, as the, the lesson is titled, and what Proverbs chapter 2 has to say about that. But before I do that, a couple stories from my life. Um, when I was, I guess, in middle school, uh, we were living in Abilene, Texas. And for some reason, my family uh, was going to Dallas for some reason. And about halfway there, we pulled off the interstate. Uh, we were, it was lunchtime, and we found this great barbecue restaurant. It was awesome. It was delicious. And we had lunch. First time we'd been there, you know, took a shot in the dark, and it paid off. And so, I don't want to say a year later or a few months later, we were going back from Abilene to Dallas. And we thought, we got to try this barbecue place out. And we couldn't exactly remember the name, um, but we thought we got it right. And this was before we were using like Google Maps and stuff on our phones as much. We still had that Garmin brand GPS in your car, you know what I'm talking about? And the one that you had to update the maps. It doesn't automatically update. And so, we had that thing going. And so we put in, we're pretty sure what it is. And so it says, get off the interstate here. So we do, and we start driving, and, you know, like a couple minutes down the road, wasn't this like right off the interstate? Maybe it's a back way. It's, it'll be fine. You know, we'll get there. 20 miles later, a long way from the interstate, we get to the back parking lot of a closed theater. No barbecue in sight. And like, this this is wrong. This is not right. And so we had to, there was some little mom and pop joint uh, that was not barbecue. But we had to settle for that. But the point of the story is, it's important to know your directions when you're trying to get somewhere. Another example is my brother. I love him. He's one of my best friends. But he is directionally challenged. I'm, I'm a nerd, and I'll look at maps for fun. He does not. <clears throat> it took him forever to learn where anything was every time we moved. When we moved to Abilene, I was I was going into seventh grade, and he would have been going into, I guess, fourth grade at the time. And it was the summer. One of our first weeks there, we decided we're gonna we're gonna walk around our neighborhood um, and just get to know it. It's me, him, and another friend. And so we're you know having fun, playing around, messing around. And eventually, uh, Bryson, my brother, decides to go one way, and we go the other way. Like, okay, we'll meet you back at the house. Well. Me and my friend get back to the house. No Bryson. My mom says, where's your brother? And I'm my brother's keeper? I don't know. 
I was like, that's, I don't know. Well, a few minutes later, still no Bryson. And so my mom says, all right, no, you got to go find him. Well, he was only a block away from the house, but turns out he had gotten lost and decided that instead of, you know, trying to find a street that was familiar or a house that was familiar, he was just going to sit down in, a, in this random person's lawn and wait for us to find him. And so he sat there for, I don't know, a while before we found him. Um, but he did not know the way back to our house. And so that was, a, that was a problem for him. And so when the illustration is simple, when you're trying to find your way, it's good to know the directions to get to your destination. Now, Proverbs is about wisdom. The whole book is about wisdom in general and in practical application. But chapter 2 gives us a, a, I guess, a path to wisdom um, that is a really good roadmap for the rest of the book. And so if you're in Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come up knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. So back in the first two verses, we see that the first step on the way to wisdom is to simply listen for wisdom. Wisdom originates outside of us. We do not have some sort of inner wisdom that one day we reach a certain age and I'm wise. That's not, that's not how it works. Uh, wisdom originates with God. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 23 say that the Lord possessed me, me being wisdom, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. Wisdom is a part of God's character. Wisdom has always existed, even before creation, because God has always existed. And since wisdom originates outside of us and with God, I think that means two things. One, we have to learn wisdom, or we have to listen to learn wisdom. It's not just within us, and all of a sudden we, we get wise. But also it's worth listening for, because it originates with God. Since wisdom comes from God, and not us, we have to listen to learn it. And the only way to learn wisdom is to listen to the source, God's Word. That makes me, as I was writing this lesson, it made me think about how well do I listen. I think a lot of people have heard the, the difference between reading your Bible and studying your Bible. It's kind of the same thing as hearing somebody versus listening to somebody. I hear people all the time. Allison can tell you I don't listen all the time, right? There's a difference when you're intentionally listening and in taking in and thinking about what's being told to you. And so, the, I mean, the question is, how diligent is your Bible study, not necessarily your Bible reading? Or where is your mind during the scripture reading? This is something I struggle with. Um, on Sunday mornings, the scripture reading, that is a time to do anything but listen to the scripture reading, right? At least that's sometimes how I approach it. That's not, that's not good. That's not healthy. That is God talking to us. Are we really listening when the scripture, the words of God are being read before a lesson? And so we've got to listen. But it also applies to other people. Certainly we have to listen to God, but we have to listen to other people. 
wiser people have a lot to tell us if we're willing to listen. Because they've been listening to God's wisdom for a lot longer than we have. And if you don't know how to identify a wiser person, they're usually the ones talking the least, but with the most to say. Or in other words, even though they're wise, they're still listening, they're still learning, and they're still growing in wisdom. And since wisdom comes from God and not us, it's worth listening for. Not just we need to listen for it, it's worth it. Wisdom's a part of God's character. It's a part of who he is. And so to gain wisdom, or to grow in wisdom, is actually to gain a part of God in your life. Wisdom is one of the most powerful and important things that we can ever learn. And to gain it as Christians is to gain something that's bigger than creation itself, that's older than creation itself. There's a lot of skills on this earth. We are surrounded by a lot of very talented people. Most skills or most things that can be learned were created by God. Wisdom is a part of God. It is a part of who he is. That's what Proverbs 8 teaches. It's an integral, integral part of our God that we serve. And so it is worth listening for, and we, we should listen for it from other people, but especially from God's word. But if you continue on in Proverbs 2, specifically verse 2, you'll see that we need to develop a heart that wants wisdom. You can listen all you want for wisdom, but if you never truly want it, you're never going to gain it. So do you really want wisdom? Do you see the value in wisdom? Because a person who doesn't want wisdom or doesn't see the value in wisdom is never going to pursue wisdom. But I need to clarify something on this point. When I say I want wisdom, I'm not talking about wanting a, a birthday gift or, or, or a Christmas gift. Side note, I've reached that point in my life where my gifts are not very cool. My mom asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and my answer was a paper shredder. I've officially lost any coolness I've ever had. I'm at that point. But anyway, when I say we want wisdom, it's not like a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 4 says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. God wants us to develop a heart that loves wisdom like we love our own family. And he even goes further and says he wants us to desire an intimate relationship with wisdom like we would desire an intimate relationship with our spouse. Now the context of Proverbs chapter 7 verse 4 is actually adultery. And so in other words, desire an intimate relationship with wisdom more than an intimate relationship with an adulteress. But whether or not you struggle with adultery or not, the principle is desire wisdom at an incredibly deep level. And we often talk about desiring wisdom, wanting wisdom, but make sure that you know what that really means. And Proverbs 7 verse 4 qualifies the level of desire we should have for wisdom. In the same way we desire intimacy with a spouse, desire wisdom. That adds a whole new level to developing a heart that wants the wisdom of God. But where do you begin to learn to desire wisdom? We can want it, certainly from an academic level, but where do you learn to desire it with that level of intensity? Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, many of you have this memorized, will say, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. In Matthew 6, Jesus is focusing on heaven. But the idea is that our hearts desire the things that we choose to treasure. And we only treasure something if we think it's valuable. Solomon knew that, and that's why he tells his son to treasure his commandments in Proverbs 2, verse 1. The best way to see the value in wisdom is to listen, back to the first point, and learn firsthand from God. And learn firsthand from him about all the blessings associated with wisdom. And the best way to do that is to read Proverbs. And so here's the way that I think you develop a heart that desires wisdom. At least one way. I think, it's, I think it's a pretty good way. Step one, read Proverbs. Listen to what God says about the blessings of wisdom. Then you'll see the value of wisdom. When you see the value of something, that's going to teach you to treasure it. You'll start to treasure wisdom. And what you treasure is where your heart is. And after that, your heart will learn to desire an intimate relationship with wisdom because it is that amazing and that worth pursuing. But the next step that Solomon gives us in Proverbs 2 is in verse 3. He tells us to ask for wisdom. The first way to do that is, of course, to pray for wisdom. And that probably reminds you of James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's a really simple verse, really easy thing to do, but it's the verses that follow James 1, 5 that make it a little more difficult. James 1, 6 through 8 says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person does not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I pray prayers of doubt more times than I would care to admit. I ask God to heal people that I don't really believe will ever get better. I sometimes ask God to make situations turn out for good when I don't really think that the situation will change. I ask God to change me in ways when I really doubt I can change in those ways. That is wrong. God has shown me in the past few months in some specific situations that he can't answer prayers, even if I pray them in doubt. And I'm humbled by that, and I'm trying to do a better job of that. So don't be like me. Don't doubt what you pray for, because what's really the point? All you're doing is asking God for something that you don't really believe he'll give you, and it's double-minded, and it's unstable. I'm going to act like God can help me through this, or can accomplish this thing, even though I know he won't. Pray with faith. As impossible as your prayers may seem, pray a prayer that says, I know, Lord, that you may say no, or you may answer my prayer differently than I expect, but I trust that you can do this, that you have the power to do this, that you are God and you know what is best. But here's the really, really cool thing about praying for wisdom. God will give you wisdom when you ask for it in faith and without doubt. There aren't a lot of things in the Bible that God guarantees he will give you if you ask him, but wisdom is one of them, according to James 1 verse 5. So ask him. We don't always understand how he gives it to us, but if we ask for wisdom and faith, we can be assured that God will grow us into wiser people. But also, more than just asking God, ask other people to learn from their wisdom. Like I said, there are a lot of people wiser than us who have been asking God for wisdom a whole lot longer than us. 
seek to learn from the wisdom that they've acquired through their life. But if you do that, if you ask God for wisdom, if you ask other people for wisdom, I'll refer you back to the first step. you got to listen. You have to be willing to listen to the wisdom they give. That's not always, that's not always easy. That's not always pleasant. The next step on the way to wisdom is to seek wisdom. Proverbs 2, verse 4. This is almost like Solomon's kind of catch-all, in case he forgot any step along the way to learning wisdom. Just seek it. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes at all costs to get wisdom. Whatever you can do to listen, whatever you can do to develop a heart for wisdom, whatever you can do to ask for wisdom, do it. Do everything you can to grow in wisdom. Seek out people. Seek out opportunities. Um, seek out wisdom in a way that helps you treasure it more. And once again, or Solomon ties wisdom to treasure in that verse. And when we think of wisdom as treasure, nothing is going to stop us from seeking it to the best of our ability. Read God's word. Develop relationships with wiser Christians. Read literature written by other Christians. Instead of staying in your comfort zone, do something that will push you to grow. Choose to learn wisdom from your mistakes. Pray endlessly for wisdom. Go and share your faith. Go and live like a Christian. When you try to live the Christian life, a lot of wisdom is gained from that. But one thing that is not seeking wisdom is just being here on Sundays. That's part of it. But Sunday attendance has never been a gauge of how intently you're seeking wisdom. That's like telling your spouse that you love and you desire them, and so you're going to spend two hours a week with them. Seeking out wisdom is an all-encompassing commitment that involves all we do. It involves all of our lives. Solomon goes on in verse 5, and he says that we will, once we do all that, we will learn what it means to fear the Lord. As you listen to God, as you talk to God in your pursuit of wisdom, you will be, begin to learn who God is. And that doesn't lead to wisdom yet. Actually, it leads to fearing God. And fearing God has two meanings. The first meaning we often talk about when it comes to fearing God is respect. First or Second Kings chapter 17, verses 35 to 36 says, The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods, or bow yourselves to them, or serve them, or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. And that fear leads to, You shall bow yourselves to him, and to him you shall sacrifice. This is the type of, of reverential fear that bows your knee towards someone who is deserving of utmost respect. The Bible often refers to the fear of the Lord, and many times it's talking about that type of respect that we should have for our Father. It's a respect that motivates service and sacrifice. But there is another meaning to fearing the Lord that isn't always talked about, and that's the meaning of terror, of, of fear, of being scared. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it's about the burning bush. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush 
Moses, Moses. He said, Here I am. And he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And notice this. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. When Moses realized that he was talking to God, the, the greatest being in the universe, he was afraid. But not necessarily out of respect. A lot of it was out of terror. He knew that the greatest being in all of existence was speaking to him, and he was totally at God's mercy. With a single thought, God could do whatever he wanted to Moses. And Moses was very keenly aware of that at that moment. And like any of us, Moses had made mistakes. He had a messed up past, and whatever it was he'd done, obviously he'd killed someone in the past, and I'm sure there were things he wasn't proud of. And spiritually speaking, things that were punishable by death. Even looking at God could have been enough to kill Moses. And so the fear of the Lord came inside of him, but it was a fear of terror as much as it was anything else. So back to Proverbs 2, verse 5. What kind of fear is Solomon talking about? And I think it's both. As you listen to God, as you talk to God, as you ask God for wisdom in your pursuit of wisdom, you will learn how wonderful and deserving of respect that God really is. But you'll also learn how your sin has hurt him and what he could do to you and what he should do to you for your sin. And for any normal person, that's terrifying. But thank God that he's offered us grace and forgiveness and mercy instead of wrath. But still, he could. He could if he wanted to. And that can be scary. But he offers us grace. And that deserves respect. And that, I think, is, is a bit of what Solomon is trying to communicate by the fear of the Lord. And then finally, we get to the knowledge of God. The beautiful thing about fear is that it is an incredible motivator. When we grow to respect God, but also understand the reality of our spiritual condition, we should be motivated to know what he wants us to know so that we can live the way he desires for us to live. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Knowledge is an incredible thing. It is crucial to know the things that God wants to teach us. Our lives should be spent growing in our knowledge of God, growing in, in who God is, in who we are, how wonderful his creation is and how it works how he desires for us to worship, how he desires for us to become a Christian, how he desires for us to live our lives, what he says our purpose is. The knowledge of all those things is so important and what we are supposed to spend our lives learning about and growing in. But if you get this far in the path to wisdom, if you get to the knowledge of God and you stop, you've missed the point. Knowledge is wonderful and it leads to wisdom, but it is not wisdom. And so that's why in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, God finally, or Solomon finally gets to the wisdom of God. Proverbs 2, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to turn to it so that I have it right here. Gets to wisdom, but it also describes all the blessings associated with wisdom at the end. Proverbs 2, verses 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. 
He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. The Lord gives wisdom to the upright. Wisdom is reserved for those who put into practice what they know is right and what is God honoring. Once you have the knowledge that God wants you to have, you can grow in wisdom by practicing what you know and by living the way God wants. Wisdom is often described as knowledge applied. If you've listened to everything God has told you, if you've desired an intimate relationship with wisdom, if you've, if you've asked God in faith for wisdom, if you've sought it every way possible, you've learned the fear of the Lord, and you've learned every single thing that God wants from your life, but you do nothing with it, you are a fool to be most pitied. Because wisdom is not simply known. Wisdom is lived. Solomon wasn't wise because he knew everything. He was wise because he did what he knew was right. Are you living wisely? Now Solomon, of course, is also a really bad example of wisdom. Because he stopped doing that. He stopped putting into practice what he knew, what he knew was true. And he became a fool to be most pitied when he was one of the wisest men to have ever lived on earth. The blessings of wisdom are immense, but Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 shows us at least one or two of them that are worth mentioning. God's guidance and protection are with those that choose to live in wisdom. Wisdom is something we will never have all of or fully understand, because like I said, it is part of who God is. It is bigger than us. But God does tell us that we can learn some, that we can grow in it, and that we should grow in it. And he's given us a way to do that. He's told us to listen for it. He's told us to develop a love for it, a heart for it, to ask for it, and he will give it, to seek it at all costs. That's going to lead to a fear, a respect, and even a, a healthy terror of God that will motivate us to a knowledge of God. And when that's lived out, that's the wisdom that God wants us to have. I am not a wise man a lot of times. I do not live out what I know to live out. I think a lot of us have been in that position. If we are going to be Christians... If we're going to be wise Christians, it means living what we know, not just right now, every day, every hour, every minute, in our homes, in our jobs, on vacation, in the most random place or in an awkward situation you can imagine. It means living what we know every day. That is the way to wisdom. And that is what Solomon spent all of Proverbs trying to teach us. In all of the, the specific situations that Proverbs talks about, how to be wise, how to live what you know is right, how to live what God has told us is right. If you need anything tonight, whether it's prayers or encouragement or you need to become a Christian, if you want to keep continuing growing in wisdom or if you want to start your journey in growing in wisdom, we are here. Will you come as we stand and we sing?